Hello and welcome to Cubicle Confidential, weekly advice for the working stiff. I'm Chris DeSantis, and let me introduce my co-host, starting with T's, the tremendously talented and never truculent Mary Abijay. Hi, Chris DeSantis. Hello, everybody. This is the never truculent Mary Abijay, who is going to announce her co-host, the trustworthy, the tasteful, and the truly terrific Chris DeSantis. <laughs> <laughs> truly terrific. That's funny. Tommy terrific. Hey, I, I I like truculent. That's such a good word. Don't you think it's a good word? And truculent means petty, right? Petty, kind of uh, pouty. Yeah. Kind of like. Yeah, yeah. Kind of more pouty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Irritable, sort of truculent, I can be reluctant. I can be truculent on the inside. Oh, on the inside, on but the I've never inside. seen it. I, yeah, I've never seen the, the expression. Maybe Chris can tell us if you've oh, ever yeah, been no. truculent. I will. I will. I might be like cruising through my Instagram or looking at my LinkedIn, and I'll see other people's postings, and I can have a little bit of truculence going on inside of me. But well, I try not to let it come out. I know when you'd be truculent because I know when I'm truculent because you're an introvert as well. Is that if you have been overexposed to people over a long period of time? You eventually get to the point where you have saturated your, yeah. your your willingness to be nice. I think that's right. I think that's when I do get truculent. Or you know, when people, and by people I mean people on my team. I'm just going to be honest here. When they keep making the same stupid mistakes over oh. and over, I get very truculent. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. how many times do I tell you guys that you cannot do a piece of work for the government without a task order? Without a task order, we're not going to get paid. Like, and that task order needs to go into the certain folder on our Dropbox. Like, don't make me search and have to email you for it. So yeah, can you things. have a task order jar? We do. It's called a folder in the Dropbox. No, 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 no. I'm in a jar for every time they don't do it. They they have to. They, you put in an imaginary uh, amount of subtraction money in. You know, you <laughs> and imagine and imagine an imaginary demerit that I'll then take off their paycheck. Exactly. <laughs> I exactly. I don't think that. Don't you think your staff would love that? <laughs> They, I, you know, I hear that sticks work really well for keeping. <laughs> or maybe I should do a carrot instead. Every time you remember to do it right, I'll give you a dollar or something. I don't know. Well, what I love about what you're saying is Mary was on the verge of ranting about these. Oh, my God. I what That was rant. It and that's what we're rant. talking about today, isn't it? Oh, yes, my God. Is. That's so funny. Mary yeah. is in the groove. You know, big mistakes <laughs> don't bother me. Like, right. they don't. Like, my staff could do something bad or like, you know, have like a disaster of a, of a, of a session. I'll be like, you know what? That's great. Let's figure out what went wrong. Let's solve it. But it's those tiny little things that I think oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that just drive me crazy and make me want to rant. No, no, no. I, I get, you know, it's, <clears throat> we were talking about this in a previous episode about uh, when you go into a restaurant and you, and a nice restaurant, I'm not talking about any restaurant, but it's hugely irritating to me when you're in a really nice restaurant and they don't take care of you yeah. for five minute, five or 10 yeah. minutes. You know what I'm saying? They don't take care of you at all for five or 10 minutes. And I'm going, what the, you know? Well, that's why you and I should <clears throat> always and only dine together because if I'm, if someone doesn't come at a nice restaurant, if someone yeah, doesn't no, come I'm, to I'm my table nice. within like, 
60 to 75 seconds, at least to say, welcome. I'm so angry and bitter. And if it takes like three or four minutes for a waiter to come, I'm just sitting there ranting to everyone at my table. So nobody likes to eat with me. (laughs) No, no. I have actually, if if it gets, if it's in any way severe and I feel like I'm being disrespected in some capacity because I'm a single diner. That's the other thing. Uh, Single diners get no respect. I will get up and go to the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, what is the, the hostess. And I would say, I'd like another table. Apparently, there's nobody working in this section. <sighs> so and I, I know I'm being a bad enough, but it, I, again, there's certain expectations because I always look around saying, am I the, are there other people having this experience? Yeah. And if I don't see anyone having my experience, I'm thinking then they're singling me out and I'm not sure why. So I don't want to be here. Yeah. Oh, I, you know, I like that you say something though. You know, and I think one of the reasons why I am so impatient with poor service is because I owned a restaurant bar oh, and a yeah, nightclub for, right, right. for years. And so I know it's not rocket science. And even, even if you're busy, just stop by the table and say, Hey, I see you. You know, I'll be right with you. Like it's not that hard to make people no. feel welcome. It really no. isn't. It's no, the same and, uh, rant I have with with when I fly. Like if you are delayed and you are on that plane, that pilot needs to come on every ten minutes at the oh, least yeah. and say like, "Here's an update." Uh, I do not like I do not like being disrespected as a customer when I'm trying to give you money. And I think that's key. I think the key phrase here is disrespect. If we feel you're disrespected, all of a sudden that elevates everything. Yeah. And I think we have rants as a as a consequence sometimes of feeling disrespected. My my theory is if we visit these questions and we say what why are they angry, we probably have a disrespect embedded in some of them. I bet you're right. Oh, I can't oh, wait to hear these questions. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So uh, by the way, when we when we called the questions, we had to find things that people are really bitching about. So I, I found <laughs> I love a, I love a good bitch. All right. You ready? Yep, I am ready. Hi, all. Can we stop talking about work-life balance? I work at a big, bad law firm, and as a partner, I am being framed as a villain because I am asking my associates to stay late or come in early or redo work that doesn't meet my standards, and all I get is grief. It's not like I am arbitrarily doing this. I'm responding to our clients, the same clients who pay our bills, the same clients who pay for their six-figure salaries. Our young associates had to know this before they got here, and it's not a secret. I would never have complained like they are complaining. Is it me, or is this generation decided work is just an option? Signed, Fed Up in Chicago. Well, hello. Oof, 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 oof. Somebody's, uh, somebody's unhappy. That's a good rant, you know. That's and a good rant. By the way, that's a rant that I, I'm sure you and I hear quite a bit. I know I hear this rant quite yes, a bit. Yes, I've heard this. I've um, heard this. I think I may have had this rant at a time or two. Um, so, so I don't even know where to start with this this one. So let me start by saying this to Fed Up. I get it. Like, And I know Chris yeah. will have a lot more to say about no. this because it's very much a generational thing. Yeah. Um, I get it. Like you have a different sort of model of working than the young people have today. And by the way, I was just uh, at the NELP, the NELP conference, National Association for Legal Professionals. And this is not an uncommon problem in like law firms. This person's from a law firm, right? Yeah, it's a big bad law big, firm. Big bad law firm. This is not an uncommon situation. The the newer folks coming in, I guess they would be your Gen Zs, mm-hmm. don't really have the same 
kind of sense around what they take, what it takes to succeed at these law firms. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my clients was telling me that they can't find any associates who are actually millennials or young or older Gen Zs to be mentors to the first year associates because they don't want the extra hour to a week of work. Wow. Um, yeah. And that, so, wow. which is really kind of too bad. Um, so while I do think, all that being said, I do think law firms and all the professional services, but I think law firms are really slow on this. They do need to rethink many aspects of their business models um, because it's not necessarily aligning with what young talent wants today. Uh, Mm. I know consulting firms are really uh, trying to balance work-life balance much more. So are accounting firms. I think law firms are lagging a little behind because for the law firms, it really is about like how many hours can you bill, bill, Mm -hmm. bill, bill. And, you know, we're going to work 24 seven. And so while I understand that, I do think there's some things they need to rethink about how that works. Now, That being said to them, I also think that these young people need to understand that professional services is about providing service to the clients. Mm -hmm. And clients are very needy, especially law clients. And it is a highly, highly competitive field in terms of the law firms vying for their clients' business. And when these clients are paying big bucks for you lawyers, and they are paying big bucks for you all, they expect, they have very high expectations Mm -hmm. around turnaround times and what they're getting. So here's what I would say. I don't really have that much advice for fed up, except that y'all got to be really clear when you are bringing in these associates, what is expected of them, who succeeds and who doesn't succeed. You also have to be really clear about this level of performance will get you this far in the firm and be okay with that. You not everyone has to be on a partner track, but then be really clear with others. Like if you want to be a high flying person in this company, here's what you, what you're going to need to put in to get, make that happen. Uh, other than that, I don't know what else I can tell you, but this is not a problem that's going to go away anytime soon. No, I think your advice is good on all, on all counts and all measures there. Uh, when I when I look at this question, I, I, I see the reality here. Yes, everything you said is absolutely right. I I think it uh, goes down to, not goes down to, but it ties into the expectations. Yeah. Look, when they hire these summer associates, uh, they're looking for this, uh, they, they give them sort of a, a honeymoon period. And so now what the expectation is, it's going to be great to work here it's, and we treat you this way. I, I don't know if that gives them the right sense of what's going to happen subsequent to this. But again, if you tell them the, all the truth, their thought is, then they'll all go to the other firm. Mm. Well, if the truth is the truth, you should say it. And oh, so uh, the other thing, I, I, I thought your point is very well interesting, is the design of these firms. You know, I'm of the, the ilk is why do we put them into the the the, um, the process right away? You know, you might want to create a pool uh, where you have another layer of hiring. You might not pay as much. And you would say you get them into this uh, this early layer, you hire more of them at a little less because you don't demand as much of them. And it's the ones who really work from that that you eventually put on the ladder of higher pay. Oh, I like that. You see, so in my, my point with here, if you want 40 hours, we'll give you 40 hours, but we're only going to pay you, you know, X number of dollars. But if you really show yourself, we'll, we'll bump you up to that and then we put you on the path. And so my point, the culling process isn't at the very beginning, but rather later on. And so you're still pay, paying the same economics relative to this if you take into account the benefits as well. But you also will attract a lot of lawyers or young lawyers who might want to have a lifestyle in a in a big bad law firm, but no one in fact they just want to learn and they'll never go beyond that. So the point is, I think you can do this both. You can do both of these things. It's just you have to. Uh, and, and to your other point there about this, look, 
These partners did not work the same number of hours as the young people that they're asking to work in the role that they're asking to work in. Meaning that the norm of the number of hours partners worked has been going up every year steadily. So in that sense, uh, we're, what we're doing is we're, we're, we're taking more and more time for, and we're giving them back less and less. In fact, the, the most elegant partners back before the billable hour, before the billable hour even existed, the most elegant partners worked 5.5 hours a day and 2.5 hours on a weekend. That's what a partner did in the 30s and 40s. Wow. But, but that they, was 100 years ago. So I don't yes, know that you can even- Exactly right. No, that's my point. They, then they invented the, uh, the hour. By the way, the whole point of the invention of the hour was not to do damage to the lawyers, but rather to uh, get more clients who could afford a lawyer because everything was set payback. That means set a fee. But anyone, so, so this is all very interesting. Yeah. But anyone who's in a law firm today as a partner, they were they were under the billable hour. Chances are, like we're talking. Oh no, about, everyone is under the billable. Yeah. Hour. It's the it's the quantity of billable yeah. hours that has been accelerating. It's 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 been going up. Yeah. Even within a fourteen a ten year period, I think it's gone up two hundred hours. So you know, I think around the. I, I love your idea of having kind of separate pools, like let yes. let people self select and what they're. And I think yes. what they'll discover is either they want they're happy with their forty hours, and quite frankly, probably the less interesting clients, right? Yes. Because the cool and the busier work. The yeah, busier work, the busier work, the, work. and the, the cool clients work. are going to go to people who are willing to work, you know, uh, bigger, longer hours. And by the way, I'm not saying that you should, uh, or, or that you're wrong if you don't want to be the hyper, you know, um, the hyper, um, um, what's the word, ambitious, right? But you can't expect to get the stuff that the overly ambitious get if you're exactly. underly ambitious. Exactly. Uh, like you've got to understand that uh, one of I had lunch with this woman who worked for a big law firm and she was saying they had, um, they have for their first and second year associates, they had a really, they really took down the expectation for billable hours way down. And I honestly, I can't remember what the number was. Let's say it was like, uh, what's it, what's it? If it's way down, then it's down to 1500 probably. Okay, That's great. Way down. So, so it was really, it was like 1300, like they had brought it way down and something like 60%. And you know, they have a, a salary, then they get a bonus. And like sixty percent mm -hmm. of these associates didn't even make like thirteen hundred. They made like eleven hundred, like two hundred below hmm. what the bottom of it was for a bonus. So they hmm. didn't get a bonus. And these associates were screaming bloody murder. Hmm. Um, and she's just like, and now the firm doesn't know what to do because they're so angry. But they, it's like they didn't get that. And they're like, well, you can't wait. You're not giving us a bonus. And they're like, we were going to give you a bonus just for meeting the minimum. And none of you met the minimum. Right. Like, so it's really interesting what's going on. But she says all these law firms are having the same problem. Uh, the young people don't want to work weekends. They don't want to work after five yes. o'clock. And it's a challenge. Well, again, I think that, uh, there was one of the law firms that, uh, that leaked some of their information in terms of what they would expect uh, of their new associates. I think it's, it's fair it's fair to say this is what we want of you and this is what we will pay you for. Yeah. I think one of the, the beliefs is what you, you, they, 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 they're hiring the smartest, but they're not hiring for all the traits that they want the person to exhibit. I think if, if I want tenacity, we should look for tenacity. But the smartest person isn't necessarily the most tenacious. Dude, I so agree with you. And they all want to hire only from the very, very top law firms. Yes, very, and yeah. so, I, mean, there is, I, I think that they need to rethink the way they look and who they hire because you're right. You are absolutely oh, yeah. right. Oh, yeah. You gotta, if you want people to be hungry, hire people who are hungry. 
Exactly. And by the way, you don't, you're, you're not a lawyer when you arrive. You are made a lawyer when you are there. That's right. So the teaching really happens there. So hire the tenaciously hungry people that really want this and try to find a, what, what are the traits that are, that are reflective of that. Those are your people that will stay the, and do the 2,300, 2,500 hours. We could solve that problem for them. Oh, and yeah. No I problem. think we just did. I think I we, think just, we did. just did. All right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way, we're ranting. <laughs> we are ranting. Oh, my we're God. We're ranting. This is the rant episode. All right. So, so I'm sorry, Fed Up. Hope things work out. Okay. You ready for our next one? Ready, ready, ready. Hi, Mary and Chris. I listen to your show from time to time, and I always find your advice reasonable. And that's the problem. It's in my view that some people are just... I work with a stone-cold jerk. He's a sarcastic, passive-aggressive, narcissistic toady. If he crawled any further up my boss's ass, he'd be looking at his mouth. I would ask my boss why he puts up with this toxic behavior, but our boss doesn't see any of this because this piece of work is all sweetness and light in his presence. How do I get him the f*** out of my life without quitting a job I otherwise love? Signed, up to here with suck-ups in Syracuse. Wow. <laughs> Angry much? That's a rant. Uh, first of all, rant. I really like the term toady. You don't hear that enough. Like no, that's I a good toady. that's a good old fashioned term for a suck up. Doesn't I, I might do. have to bring that into my managing up. You I don't have to be this, a toady. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a Hallmark card. Uh, two of my favorite sarcastic, <laughs> passive aggressive, narcissistic toady. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. Uh so you know this is a bad scene. And yes. you know, and I the first thing I'm gonna say is is this a you problem or a group problem? In oh, other words, does a stone one. cold jerk bother everybody or right. is it that you just don't like the person? Right. Um, so, you know, like that's, if it's just that you don't like him, then let it go. You don't have to leave a job you love because you've got a stone cold jerk working with you. If he's not really impacting your ability to succeed, then you might want to just ignore it and just limit your interaction with them. Now, if he is making it bad for everybody, if he's like a toxic jerk that's actually impacting everybody's morale or everybody's like level of satisfaction or level of engagement, then you do have to do something about it. Well, but here's the thing. What can you do about it? Right. Here's the challenge with toxic people in the workplace. If your boss doesn't see it, because he maybe this guy's a gaslighter or maybe he just like is two-faced, it's going to be really hard for your boss to actually see his behavior. So that means you are going to have to like... You have to record his behavior in some way. Take mm. notes. This is going to be a better group effort than a better individual effort. If he really is toxic, uh, you and the team are going to have to go to the boss and say, listen, we know that this guy, this toady does great work for you. However, he's making our lives miserable and you've got to have examples. You could, of course, go to HR and talk to HR, uh, but please know like getting rid of a toxic colleague is really hard unless the boss and the HR company actually sees the toxicity. And by the way, they have to see it as a problem. And that often organizations keep toxic people around for way too long if these people are either good at sucking up or they're mm -hmm. what we call brilliant jerks and they really deliver. So this is a very difficult situation that I'm not sure you have that many good options. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this, Mary. I, as you were talking about this, because I, I was trying to recollect in my own life, uh, has this occurred in terms of my experiences? And yes, it has. I think I've had, in, in of all my years of working with people, there were three individuals that probably fit this category, that they were just despicable in some capacities. One of them was a boss, so nobody could do anything. Mm -hmm. You know, he was in charge of the organization or the group. Uh, I'm, but so what I did is I just withdrew from, you know, I, I didn't do, I wouldn't work with them anymore after the, after the, 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 the behaviors that he would engage in. The second one was a, a client, and this person um, uh, got away with for a long time in terms of the things that this individual did, but eventually, because they had done them to so many people, it, 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 I, and I wasn't able to say it, because again, it was a client, so I'm not gonna talk about my client to my client. Yeah. I couldn't say anything, but eventually it did bubble up to, to the source of who this person worked for, and then the, organizationally, there were so many calls for their, you know, withdrawal. Yeah. They did. The third person uh, was all got away with it because they were loved by their boss, even though they were toxic to everyone yeah. they worked for. So your point is, it's this is a difficult thing for one person, one person to change in, in a circumstance. You have to have, I thought the only solution was many people see it and many people have to say it. Yeah, and document but, it. And document it. You alone are just the uh, the uh, you know that one person, and I think you're a voice in the wilderness until there's evidence. Yeah, especially if it's just sarcasm and being yeah. passive aggressive and narcissistic. Those things are really hard to like behavioralize. Like if they're a screamer or a shouter, or they say really horrible things to you, like uh, slander you, that's different. But if they're just assholes, that's a little yeah. bit harder. And by the way, narcissistic people often come off as confident. Yeah. So this guy, or yeah, he. So this guy is is and sarcastic could be seen as funny. Yeah. So my point is, if he comes off as funny and confident, you're you've got a problem. Yeah. You've got a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and again, we don't know if it's just you that has a problem with him, yeah. and this is your view of him, or if he really right. is a, a, a toady and really a, just a jerk. You know. But yeah, again. I, I think Mary's advice is the best one. Stay away from him. Yeah. That's as best you can do at this point, uh, unless that you have discover other people feel as you feel, and then it makes more sense to individually complain about different things to somebody. Yeah. And of course, the only thing that we could, that you, another thing you could do is you just could hire someone to take him out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you could just throw some money at the problem here, right? <laughs> Get an accident. He had an accident. <laughs> Accidents happen every day, my friend. <laughs> yeah, sabotage. You could sabotage. I'm not sure what you do there, but you can always sabotage his work. Yeah. Although now we're 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 probably outside the purview of what is proper to suggest. That's right. And we don't want. <laughs> what if Suckup actually did that and then said in a court of law said that Chris DeSantis and yeah. Mary Abjay said yeah. that she yeah. they said take him out. Exactly. And we might take him out we to dinner. To lunch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't want to spend dinner with him. My lunch I'll do. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Okay. I think we're done with this poor, sad soul. You ready for the last one? I am ready. Mary and Chris, 
Where is everybody? I work at a software firm in California, and before the pandemic, we committed to a new office space based on the wants of our workforce. It has a gym, a dining hall, a game room, a meditation space, walking trails, and even a barista. Now we're back on hybrid schedule and the office is half empty. Totally bogus. We spent millions creating a space that no one is using. I can't express how angry I am with the waste and the attitude of these employees, even if they don't use it. What about a little gratitude? Is there some way I can share my displeasure and at the same time get people back in the office without threats of quitting? I built this place the way they wanted it because I need them. Signed, Dreadful Divas in Data. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, you know, this, this, that's a good rant. And you know what? I totally get your rant. I get it. Like, it would make me sick if I spent all that money in building a beautiful space and then no one wants to come. Like, I totally get it. You know, and it's a very common problem. So you are not alone in your misery, but no, you cannot just share your displeasure uh, because you built this for a different time and then it happened and here's what's going on. So I hear this so much from my clients. I have several clients, regular clients who have built beautiful office spaces right before the pandemic and they're sitting there half empty all the time. Uh, So here's the thing. I am a big fan of the hybrid. It's here to stay. I think it's a great way to work, but hybrid means hybrid. It means that you still got to come to the office sometimes, right? So when you are creating your hybrid plans, if hybrid is the right way for you to go, meaning that you do have some value on face-to-face, in-person, physically co-located times, then you do have to make that, that happen. And I see the companies that are doing this the most well, the wellest, the best, uh, the companies are doing this the best are the ones that are being more structured around Mm. the hybrid where they're saying, here are days that our team or our company or whatever are in the office, in the physical office. So really kind of creating that structure and then holding people accountable for keeping that structure. Uh, The other thing about this is that I would give it a little bit of time. I know everyone's really, um, let's get back into the physical office, but it might take time for people. One of my clients happens to be Marriott Corporation and they have their big headquarters here in Bethesda, Maryland. And let me tell you, they built a new building during a new office space during COVID and it is f-ing gorgeous. I've been there three times now and I'm like, I if I worked here, I would like bring a cot. I would never leave this place. And so mm-hmm. what my clients are telling us is when they first started coming back into the office, it was maybe 10%. Then then 20% because they're hybrid and they're Mm -hmm. seeing an increase in actual physical bodies in the workplace uh, every month. And so I say to this person, give it a little time. Hybrid is an adjustment. We are adjusting to what was back the way we used to be, but it's still Mm -hmm. new. So give it some time. If your office is that fabulous, people will start showing up. And then I would say two more quick things. One, is um, uh, make sure that when people are coming in, that there's a purpose for them to come in. Uh, we call this presence with a purpose. So don't just say everyone in on Wednesday. When they come in on Wednesday, make it purposeful for them. And lastly, I will say this to anybody who's listening and thinking they don't ever want to go to the physical office. If you care about your career, you will show up face-to-face occasionally. A new research study came out and said that people that show up in a physical office, even if it's just a couple times a week, I uh, spend 25% more time on those activities that create career development. So it's a win-win for you to show up to the office occasionally. 
Wow. I think you've solved the problem there, Mary. Really? I, I like oh, this. Good. Cause I, I like hear this, this all the time. Some of my yeah. clients have this challenge. No, and I think you're absolutely right. I think the, the hybrid workplace is the, is, is the future in the sense that we're going to have some design around that, but it has to have a structure. I think that's yeah. your point. And uh, because there has to be, it's, see, it's, it's one thing to show up at the, at the office uh, three days a week, but if I show up and nobody's there, right. why did I show up? Yeah. Why did I show up? So I like your notion of the structure. I like I have a collaborative day. Maybe there's a meeting only day. You know, maybe there's a, a, t a, a day that does. What, the point would be pick, pick the days that everyone knows is something's going to happen. And so there's when I show up, I know what's there when I get there. I like that. Uh, things that you also mentioned is this notion uh, or you alluded to. It's important for people to, especially data people or software people, to have a social comparison. Meaning, look, if everybody is, if, if they have worked together for years, so people sort of keep a rhythm as they compare themselves to other. If you are just new to something and you have no social comparison, you don't know how long tasks take. So you might yeah. think it takes six hours to do something when in fact everyone else who's doing this is in two. And so the point is you, you, the, the comparison to others allows you to understand what is appropriate in terms of our deliverable and what is culturally normative in terms of our behaviors, which is another thing. What are the cultural values? And then sort of say, what is important here? And then how do we design ourselves for that in terms of you know, this? What is, if, if teamwork is important, then you have to emphasize why are we here? Because that is one of the ingredients of teamwork. The thing yeah, is, yeah. The, I liked your point also about pre uh, presenteeism. People are naive to imagine that it's just your meritocracy that makes a decision about you. If the business is not designed as a remote business, because there are businesses that are strictly designed as remote, that's a different cultural norm. And but if you're if you are now in this gray area between those two things, you were never designed that way, and so people will have a bias towards the people they see more. And that is presenteeism. Yeah, so or I call it presence you know. bias. Yes, and it's not just who you know, it's who knows you. Yeah. And so that, and the, the other point uh, I, I wanted to make about all of this was the, um, that mastery is faster when you are around others than when it is not. Yeah. So being in the presence of others, your learning is not through a Zoom call, but rather the observation, the quick stepping in and out of an office to ask questions and all of these things, those things accelerate your learning. It also, it, it creates the camaraderie, which are critical to building a culture. Last thing I'll say that is really off the page with this, it's my own version of the rant is, you've got all of these facilities. You've got a gym, dining, game rooms, baristas, well, I would only I would give those as a benefit to the people that show up four days of the week, and if anybody wants to do the others, I would charge them in accordance to their 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 regularity of being there. For instance, if you come to my office four days a week, you get free you get you get a free lunch in the dining hall. You're only coming in a day a week. Uh, you have to be charged for it because what you do is you get you in fact you get as see scarcity becomes desirable. So so no, I, if I, that's really smart. One of my clients, it's I think an, it was. Yeah, I was doing like if you come in three days a week, you get to have a, a dedicated desk or a dedicated workspace. Yeah. If you only come in one or two days a week, then you're hoteling or, or whatever. But I yeah. like that. Like you come in three days a week solidly, you get free lunches or you get a membership to the gym or whatever it is. That's really smart, Chris. 
Well, you, look, they have a gym here. You would say, okay, oh, uh, okay, you're working fully remotely. The gym is, uh, you know, $50 a month. Yeah. You're, oh, you're, you're coming in three days a week. The gym's it's $20 a month. Or, or you're coming in four days a week. The gym's free. Yeah. My point would be there should be clear gradients as to what is available to the people that comes in with a frequency. But if you have a structure, you can track that. Yeah. Uh, one of the, I, I've noticed one of the mistakes everyone's making is using an honor system. Yeah, no, you well, can't Well, who's that. checking yeah, that? No. Nobody. And the, the, the problem with the honor system, one of my clients is... is Keep getting away with their honor systems because people, some people are rule followers and some people okay. aren't. And Our that's going to cause uh, yes. angst and uh, resentment. Uh, and that's not good for teamwork. If if I'm coming in, if I'm if our office says three days a week and I'm coming in my three days a week and I'm staying all day almost and Chris DeSantis is popping in for an hour on Tuesday and an hour on Friday and that's it and we're getting the same amount of uh, uh, compensation, I'm going to be... Yeah, well, uh, by the way, it's a data. It's a it's a it's a it's a fancy firm that has you know that has software engineers they've spent millions on. You've got to have a security system that they can register. Oh when yeah, come those key the cards game. are getting tracked. They know who's yeah, there. Yeah, you know who's, who's there or not. So that's what you know. That's your hours. That the hours. If you reach a certain number of hours here, although I know people will play the system, but as they play, you learn more rules. You learn and more. And that would yeah. say, well, I can give you more if you're here more. Yeah, I love it. Right. I think we, we gave dreadful divas and data some good ideas. I think we and let go did. of the money you spent. That money's already spent. Yeah, You're not sunk. getting it back. Let cost. it go of that bitterness, you know, yeah, just. Exactly. Oh, man, exactly. it's time for us to say sayonara, folks, uh, for this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. A big thanks to our amazing, overworked, underpaid, and never a diva, uh, Mr. Jack Edinger. If you have a workplace question or a cubicle dilemma, you know where to find us. No question is too easy. No question is too hard. And you could email us to info at cubicleconfidential.com. Tweet us on the Twitter at cubicleconfide1. Or link with us on LinkedIn, uh, Chris DeSantis or Mary Abajay, or you guessed it, Cubicle Confidential. People, we've made it easy for you to find us. And until we see you next week, we want you to work hard be kind. Don't be a diva. And if you can't, call us. All right. See you next week.